Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. You guys make me cry before I even started. It's good. <laughs> it is easy. Uh, I'm going to ask us to do something different. Uh, we did it at Milnerton today and I just... With what I'm going to share um, tonight, I really feel it's apt and I really feel it's just bring our focus back um, to the main thing, to the real thing. So if you guys are comfortable, do you want to close your eyes, lift your hands, and if you know it, sing along with me. All hail King Jesus, all hail the Lord of heaven and earth, all hail King Jesus, all hail the Savior of the world, all hail King Jesus, all hail the Lord of heaven and earth, all hail King Jesus, all hail the Savior of the world. Now, Father, we just give you highest praise tonight. We thank you, Jesus, that it is all about you. It is not about us. It is all about you. And we just bring our focus and our gaze once again fixated on you, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith our righteous redeemer, lover of our souls. We just exalt you and pray that you would have your way tonight, Jesus. In your precious name, amen. Cool. So, um, yeah, this is the last thing I'll be sharing. So pretty much what the guy said is, Lee, anything goes, we'll fix it afterwards. So it's fine. <laughs> Jokes. <laughs> and it actually will all, whatever questions you have, just, it's Tyler's first uh, eldership test. So just email him anything that I say wrong, he'll answer it. It's fine. Um, but I, I was trying to figure out what, what to share on. And um, to be honest, I had something well prepared. And uh, I went through with my wife, um, aka the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And um, as I was sharing it with her, I was just like, I'm not feeling this. Really not feeling this. I don't understand. I don't get it. And a simple thing she said to me, she said, Lee, what journey are we going on and what is in your heart? I was like, we're going on a journey of worship. What is in my heart is worship. And the more we get into this, the more I realize I'm built for worship. That, that is who he has made me to be. And a little vulnerable moment for me, um, uh, I was reading a book by John Bevere, Breaking Intimidation. And he speaks about how we, we have placed the emphasis on the mouthpiece in churches. So we think that preaching is the ultimate level to attain. But he speaks about it in the, in the gifts that God gives the body, and he says, but without the heart, the body still dies. So actually, the mouthpiece is not the most important, but we place the emphasis on that. And actually, we are the guys that go, that's the top to reach. So for years, I've sat going, God, why am I not preaching enough? Why am I not doing that thing enough? 
And it's in the recent years that God has kind of given me a bit of a whack over the head and said, Lee, what do you think you do every single day or every single Sunday when you stand up and lead worship? You're preaching. You're telling people about me. That is what you're built for. It is what you're made for. Don't try and attain other people's gifts, but use what I have given you so that you can preach the gospel. Because I think that we, 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 we think that what Mark and Gabe do every single Sunday, we think that is the only way that we can preach the kingdom. But he's built us for certain things, and that is the way that we preach the kingdom. So when I lead worship, I preach the kingdom. When Josh gets behind the drums and he drums, he preaches the kingdom. When Stu is on the electric guitar, he preaches the kingdom. It's not about actually words that we think we can conjure up. Because actually, it says, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, and he says, it's not with wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of the power of God. So actually, when we stand on the stage, it's a demonstration of the power of God. When you go into our workspace, it's a demonstration of the power of God. When you activate the gifting God has placed you as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a father, it is a demonstration of the power of God. That's actually what it is. So I know that he's built me solidly for worship. And I want to share a bit of our journey and a bit of our story of how I actually got you. Um, I love his presence. I love being in his presence, and uh, I think the first part of my journey to actually be know that this is what I'm called to it was a bit of a scary moment, um, and I was sitting in my room, uh, still living with my parents years ago, reading the Bible, I had my back turned towards the door, and as I started reading, the tangible presence of God filled the room so, so heavy, I was afraid to turn around. It was the first time I sat going, if I turn around, I'm going to see the face of God, and I'm going to die. So I looked out the window and I looked back at my Bible and said, I'm just going to carry on reading because I have no idea what the heck is going to happen. And I carried on reading and eventually like the presence subsided and I just felt this warmth and I was just like, okay, cool. And it was at that moment I sat going, I want people to know that presence of God that makes them go, everything inside of me shakes with the awe and wonder of the presence of God because he is powerful, he is magnificent, he is awesome. And almost that fear of like, God, I don't, know, I don't know what to do right now because I just want to be still. And I really believe that when Scripture says be still and know that He is God, that's that intense presence felt that all you can do is be still. Because in that moment of feeling His presence, you know that He is God. And all you can do is silence everything inside of you and be still. And that was the moment that I sat going, God, I know what I'm called for. I'm called to help and lead people into a presence, into your presence, into a space where they can encounter the living God. And there's been different journeys of that. I'm just going to share a few stories and then read some scripture for you guys. But um, one of the memorable stories that I have is actually we, we led a youth in Kloof years ago in Durban. And um, I, I look back at it now and I think, Flip, all the, all the times we've led youth was actually we led worship. And the youth just enjoyed something about that. And they began to enter and encounter this living king. And that's how the youth started growing. So it was actually nothing that we preached, nothing that we did. It was just worship. And the one session we had at, at, at Kloof, we were leading worship. And these two young girls, myself and, and Kelly, were, were leading worship. And these two young girls ran out crying. And Obviously, in your head, you're like, that's not good. So I looked at it and I said, just go check what's happening because parents out there as well, and I would like them to come back to the next youth. And um, they came, she came back, Kelly came back, smiling from ear to ear, and she was like, it's all good. And I was like, 
okay, well, what happened? And said, those two young girls at the age of 14, 15, encountered the presence of God in worship and realized they had not had an argument that week with each other. And they ran out to make things right between each other so that they could continue to worship in the presence of God. Only the presence of God leads us to do those things. It can't be anyone that actually says anything. Only the presence of God and the goodness of God and the mercy of our Father leads us to that place of going, I need to make things right so I can make things right. And that was, it was probably one of the most powerful moments for us. We were like, God, like we didn't preach anything. We didn't read anything. It was just you. And that's almost when it became real for me that it's him. It's not me. It's him. He does all of this. The um, second story is a bit of a, a funny one, actually. Um, if you know me well, I, you'll know that I like my screamo music. Yes, yes. I like some screamo, hardcore, heavy metal you, Christian music, yes, Christian music, obviously, obviously, not that other stuff, but they are, believe it or not, heavy metal Christian artists, and I love it, it's, it is quite a funny thing when you're listening to it in your car full blast, and the guys next to you are giving you that weird stare of like, what the heck is up with that guy, and you proceed with the God bless you, and then it just freaks them out even more, <laughs> it's just like, what? But, um, I love that music, and when we led um, the church we're in, before we came to Cape Town Harvest, we led the youth there. We had a guy that was part of our youth leadership, and he was actually part of a heavy metal screamer band in Durban. And um, I'd just taken over the youth. I was leading um, the meeting, and worship was going on, and there was about 100 kids behind us. And you know when you just hit that wall? I think a lot of the worship leaders and maybe some of the meeting leaders here will know this. You hit that wall in worship. When there's this, like, eye conversation going on between the worship leader and the person leading the meeting of, like, okay, where to now? And then one of you closes your eyes and pretends you're worshiping because you have no idea actually where you're going to go. So you're just like, yeah, we're just going to keep, keep going. And we hit this thing. All the youth were just, like, staring at the guys on stage. The guy on stage was looking at me as if, where are we going to go? I was looking at him going. And it was, it was phenomenal. And then all of a sudden, this, this thing sank in my heart, this guy on our youth leadership team, his name is Andrew, and all of a sudden I felt, Andrew needs to scream. I was like, that's not you, Jesus. Surely not. Not in a youth setting where it'll freak the heck out of these guys. Not you. So I just carried on worshiping. I was like, oh, God, you've got to do something. I get a tap on my shoulder. I turn. It's Kelly. She looks at me and she goes, I really feel like Andrew needs to scream. I was like, surely not, Jesus. This is a test. <laughs> it's my first time leading this year. This is a test. No, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Carried on worshiping, and then I get a tap on my shoulder from the back. I turn around. This guy has walked all the way from the back of the hall to tap me on the shoulder. It's Andrew. And he looks at me, and he goes, I feel like I need to scream. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Well, what am I going to do here? <laughs> There's three of you. Okay, cool. God, you, obviously something's happening. And um, so I, I, I probably won't reenact it. I tried this morning. It was terrible. But um, so these screamer guys have this like power stance, power walk thing that they do. So I explained to the youth and I said, guys, this guy is going to scream. <laughs> yes, that sounds weird. But this is just a form of worship. And it's the same as a form of worship that you guys might experience. This is just his way of expressing his love to God. And it may seem different, but just receive an open your hearts to what God wants to do. And I give the mic to this guy, 
I stand back where I was standing like this. No idea what's going to come next. And he begins to do this power walk up and down the stage, getting ready, like, ah, ah, up and down. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm going to get phone calls from parents this week. And then he starts screaming just what God is revealing to him. And for the moment, I, I, I put my hands down. I turned around, and I saw 100 kids on their knees, tears flowing, broken in the presence of God because of something that looked unusual and uncomfortable. Because something that I probably looked at and went, no way is God, I'm not going to do that. Can I encourage us and say that in our worship, there's sometimes things that we're going to do that is uncomfortable, that ushers in the presence of God, that will break down walls, that will soften hearts. So there's sometimes he's going to ask you to do something that's uncomfortable, go with it. Because actually it's in that uncomfortable place that he is going to use you for his presence to invade earth. The reason my wife and I do what we do, um, we've got a little one, Taylor Nova, and we love worship, and um, the guys at daycare say that she loves songs, and she just sings the whole day at daycare, which is great, because I don't know what they're teaching her, she just sings the whole day. But um, she, she just sings the whole day, and her favorite song is I Raise a Hallelujah. And my wife and I play that song. I see her face light up. She starts smiling and she starts clapping and singing along. And I sit and I go like, we don't know what our worship does for those that are watching us. And, and I started getting this, this picture. I shared about this and I'm going to read the scripture, Colossians 3. I shared it, the sevens that we did when we, we did the Colossians series. And there's this, in Colossians 3.16, it actually says, let, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And I thought about that, and I thought, actually, this teaching and admonishing one another came through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. And I thought about my little one and the developmental stages she goes through. And one of those is learning songs at school so she can repeat them to increase her vocabulary. And I was like, okay, cool. So if she does that through songs, actually we can increase the knowledge and the wisdom and the teaching and understanding we have in God through the psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit that we sing here at church. That actually it's not waiting for the preach. It's not coming I'm, I'm going to put this out there, and I'm going to say it because it's my last Sunday anyways. It's, it's not coming half an hour late because you don't like the guy that's leading worship because you're going to miss out on something of the presence of God that is already teaching before you get to the preach. So actually be on time because you want to be on time to receive the presence in its fullness. Actually, that's what needs to happen because the teaching isn't just when the Word happens. It happens when we gather together in unison, singing about a great king, a great God, and his presence falls in this place. That's actually when it happens. So back to Taylor and her twinkle, twinkle little star. So she's learning twinkle, twinkle little star, and she walks around with it like a diamond. I think that's the only part that she sings. She sings most of it like this. Not sure what this means. <laughs> that's all she does. And then twinkle, twinkle little star. She walks around the house, la, 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 doesn't know what she's singing, but she knows the actions. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if what we sing becomes activated and active in our lives so that what we sing and who we're singing about becomes the actions of who we are? 
that when we leave and we sing Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness, that it starts becoming the actions of our lives and we walk out here believing that we serve a Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, a Light in the Darkness, so that we become that when we enter our workspaces, our family lives. And um, recently, Taylor's been learning the melody, and I, I had this picture, obviously, musical vibes, but I had this picture of her. She's learning the melody of Twinkle Twinkle. So she still doesn't know the words, but she knows it goes something like, na, na, da, 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 da. So that's all that she does the whole time. And I thought about this, and, and a melody in a song is the way that the song is meant to be sung. So you can play a lot of other things and add a lot, but there's a melody, and that's how the song goes. So when you start hearing the intro of a song, you know that that's the melody of the song. And I thought about this, and I thought, imagine if we could get the melody of heaven here on earth, that it starts telling people what life looks like lived when you sing the melody of heaven, that actually it is ingrained in your life that everything that you do is just the melody of God. And people start looking at you going, why are you so different? Why do you sing to a different tune? What are you doing that is different to me? And you get to sing the melody of heaven over their lives and actually go, this is what God says about you and this is what he wants to do and this is why we do what we do. So I want to leave you guys with three, three practical things of worship. Psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. So when I think of psalms, the first person that comes to mind is David. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard the CrossFit joke. How do you know when somebody is doing CrossFit? They will tell you they're doing CrossFit. So I thought about Paul, and I thought, how do you know when Paul is upset? He'll tell you he's upset. Like, if you read Psalms, it's like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My enemies are, are attacking me. Like, it's this constant, like, what's going on here? But the cool thing about Psalms is it's a song between us and God. It's a vulnerable moment when we can go, God, here is me in my all, my insecurities, my doubts, my fears, my everything. But we don't stay there. When we read the Psalms, David goes through this journey of this is my brokenness, this is my vulnerability, this is who I am. And then this journey of realizing who God is, and he ends off going, yet still will I praise you. Yet this is where my victory will come. You will lay my enemies flat. So he goes through this process of vulnerability, song between me and God, but then this is who God is, and this is who I will believe him to be. So when we teach and admonish one another, we actually don't stay in our broken, hurt places. We worship and realize the end result of the truth of who he is, and we sing that. And we go, actually, you are overcoming Jesus. And that's what I serve. You are a way maker, Jesus. You are a healer. You are a helper. That is who we sing about. I just love the, the truth that David actually speaks in Psalms. He's not afraid. He's not afraid of being vulnerable or being open with God. Of just saying, this is it. Bearing it all. And I think sometimes we think, uh, can, can, I, can I say to us, can we get the mindset out of, out of our heads that we need to come here as quoted from one pastor, Mark, VP. But we need to get it out of our heads that we need to come to church like a Woolworths chicken. Like actually God wants our brokenness. He wants our hurt because he wants to restore because he wants to be known as the restorer. 
He wants to be known as the Redeemer. He doesn't want to be known as the guy that's just polished you up. He wants to be known as the guy that is victorious over your life. And you come with your brokenness and your openness and you leave with the truth of who he is. Secondly, it talks about hymns. When I think about hymns, I think about songs like, How Great Is Our God, I Exalt Thee. Even all hail King Jesus, some people might disagree, but I think that's a hymn. I think it's a hymn of these ages, Cornerstone, all of those songs. And hymns are actually songs that we sing corporately to help each other along the journey of who God is. There's a guy by the name of uh, Jabin Chavez who shared this, and he said, someone came from his church and said, listen, we need to do away with the words on the screen. And he was like, what? He said, people need to know the songs that they're singing. I mean, we can't do that here because the worship leaders, we don't even know the words of the songs that we sing. <laughs> so it doesn't work here. But it's like, we've got to do away with the screen because people need to know what they're singing. And Jabin Chavez said to him, you've never been through anything hard, have you? I said, what do you mean? He said, you've never been to a service where you have no strength left inside of you that all you can do is read the words on the screen and allow the strength of those around you to sing about a God who is still victorious. So I, even though I'm going, I, I don't think we'll ever do away with the words on the screen. Because we're not here for those that know every word of those songs. We're here for those who are still yet to know the words of those songs and to sing them out. And um, I've always shared this with the worship team of what I feel the vision is of us as a worship team, us as worshipers. And this picture of Moses, as he was called to, to worship God in the mountain, and Joshua was defeating the Amalekites, and every time he raised his hands, they'd be victorious. And every time he lowered his hands, the Amalekites would overcome. And Moses got tired and weary, and Miriam and Aaron came on either side and lifted his hands for him. We are not Moses, we are not Joshua. We are Miriam and Aaron to raise the hands of those that are coming into this place tired and weary so that Joshua, Jehovah saves, can overcome the victory, can overcome the battle, can win and be victorious. That's who we are. So actually, like, it's, it's one of those things that irks me. Like, I, I have conversations with people sometimes and like, I didn't really like that set. It wasn't good. I didn't know any of those words or that. It's like, that's great, but it's not for you. It isn't. It's actually number one is for God that we are worshiping. And number two, you are here to raise the hands of those that can't anymore so that they can find God that we are worshiping and he can overcome the battle for them. So that's actually why we sing hymns. We sing hymns because there's sometimes, even for myself sometimes, there's times when I forget and I go, actually, God, like I'm uncertain of who you are. And I hear voices singing louder, and, and, and when we sing hymns, it comes with a, an element of trust, because when guys stand on the stage, when Banti stands on the stage, and he leads worship, he's not leading worship because he's reading words in a song, uh, on a sheet, and he's going, those words are good, I'm going to sing them. I know Banti, and I know some of the journey he's walked, and I know that he's singing because he trusts in the words that he's singing, and he trusts in the God that he is singing about. And that is why he is singing those songs. So when we are singing together corporately, we are trusting that leader to lead us because he trusts God. And that is why he is singing those songs. It's not about what we feel, but it's actually a journey that he's walked. 
I'm, I'm so like, yeah, it's been an emotional time, but like Jeremiah Chirwa, so proud of that guy. His, his, yeah, we've walked a journey, fought a lot. But I know the journey that he's had to get up here and lead worship. And I trust that man. I trust the words that he's singing because I know he's singing from a heart that has trusted God. A heart that knows who God is, he knows the God that he's singing about. So we need to begin to trust each other and make things right with each other. Songs of the Spirit. I'm just going to put the disclaimer out there. Um, I heard this from Bethel. I don't know if it's historically correct, but I heard it from Bethel. I thought it was cool, so I'm just going to use it, because obviously everything from Bethel is gospel. So, um, <laughs> just joking. <laughs> but um, they're actually talking about, in, in the scripture here where it says songs of the Spirit, that word songs in Greek is oday. And it's where we get the word ode from. So songs, poems, that's where we get the word ode from. And they actually said what happened back in the day is when a king needed to let his subjects know something was happening in the kingdom, he would get someone to write an ode because it was easier for the guys to actually learn and get a hold of. So that was how they got the kingdom news to the people was by singing an ode so the people would hear the news of the kingdom. And I thought about that in our context, and I thought, just imagine if Life Changes Church starts hearing songs of the Spirit, songs of the kingdom that the King wants to reveal to the community of Tableview, what would happen in this place? If we begin to sing songs of news of the kingdom, of what the King wants His people to hear, imagine what would happen in this place. So it's actually not about just going, oh, it's a prophetic song that I have. Can I ask you guys, like, when Mark comes and he gets the microphone and he sings, can I ask you to open your hearts and receive news from the kingdom? Because that's actually what that is. It's not just, oh, I've come up with the lyrics in my head, so I'm going to, no, it's actually news from the kingdom. It's from the king's heart directly to yours. And that's what we need to do. Now, I've, I've been talking a lot about singing because obviously that's just my heart and that's where I'm at. But the biggest thing that I want us to get here. This is an aspect of worship. It's not worship in a whole. When you come on a Sunday, you don't come to worship. If you've come on a Sunday to worship, you're doing it wrong. Worship happens every day of your life. You come already worshipped to celebrate with everybody else in worship. To celebrate what is happening continuously every single day. So worship is not singing and preparing for this set that just happened. Actually, worship is your everyday reality. Worship is when you encounter your family every morning. Worship is when you encounter your boss at work. Worship is when you encounter your educational spaces, the shopping centers. That is worship. That is where you get to sing psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit so that you can encourage those who have yet to discover who God is where you can raise their hands because they're tired and weary and they don't know this God that can overcome their battles. That is where worship takes place. And the greatest thing about this verse is actually it starts with love and it ends with gratefulness. And I think about that of actually the reality that when we worship, it has to be rooted in love. 
Because if it's not, as 1 Corinthians 13 says, it's just going to be a clanging cymbal. If you've ever stood up here when Josh McGaw has played drums, you'll know what that sounds like. <laughs> I don't think you want that. <laughs> but that is what love is, and it helps us to get worship through to people. And we have to have that love, otherwise we can't do anything else. And if we don't come away worship after worshiping, whatever space that looks like, with a grateful heart, then maybe you're doing it wrong. Because we have to come out of every single worship moment. And again, not this, but every worship moment. Because I guarantee you, once you've gotten one person saved outside of these four walls, there will be the biggest amount of gratefulness in your heart ever. Because it's a soul longing for the kingdom. That actually all of heaven celebrates with you. And there's this gratefulness that comes in because you go, God, thank you for my salvation and thank you for theirs. Thank you for them seeing the light. So worship has to start with love. It has to end in gratefulness. And the biggest thing for us, even in this journey, for myself and my wife, is massive gratefulness in us and what we've learned here and what we've experienced here. I can tell you right now, through the tough times, through the hard times that life changes, God has done something in my worship. And I even see it in, in the songs that I've written that we sing. I see it from the first one I've written to the last one that I've written, how he has grown me. He has done something in me through this community, through loving one another, through psalms, through hymns, through songs of the Spirit. And there's gratefulness as it wells up inside of me, knowing that I go with absolute love and absolute gratefulness in my heart for who he is and who he's creating me to be. So can I stir us on to just look at worship differently? Don't look at these guys as worship. Look at worship differently. Because he calls us to so much more, and he's got so much more installed for life changes for every person sitting here. Is that cool? Awesome. Thanks, guys.